Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. And so today I want to talk to you on this topic, becoming the church. Becoming the church. Now, what do you mean becoming the church? Aren't I in church? Aren't I part of church? Aren't I here? All right, that's a good question. I'm sure some of you are thinking that. But how many of you know that you can be at church, but still not part of church? Right? You can be at church, but you not, are not necessarily part of the church, right? And so today I want to set a platform for where we're going to be going this year, and especially where the heart of the church is for this year. And not just for Vision Sunday, but right through going forward as Transform Church, as Transformers, we want to set a pace, we want to set a tone, we want to set a theme, we want to set our hearts in line with what God is doing in this place, right? So I'm asking you to prepare your hearts, open up your hearts, and and lean in a little bit to what we're talking about this morning. So as I said, it's kind of a prelude to Vision Sunday that kind of prepares our hearts for what's happening. And so that leads us to what the church should be. What should the church be, right? And if you ask a bunch of people, what is the church... Or what should we as Christ followers be like? Or what should we represent? Or what is the picture of a church? Or what is the description of a church? Well, a lot of people would have a lot of answers. I don't think you'd have the same answer. If you went around and asked every single person, you'd probably get some variation of what it is. All right? And so when you talk about people's impressions of a church, what do you think church is about? Well, some people say a building, right? A weekend event. The longest two hours of my week, a place your parents force you to go, a place where they teach you about God and stuff, right? There's so many descriptions, and and if we were to ask people outside our world of church that we are accustomed to as Christ followers, that's probably what they would say, right? You know, it's a building, it's a place you go to, they talk about God and stuff, and it's kind of boring, and it's kind of like, you just have to sit there and listen, and... I don't know if I'm getting much out of it. But that is a far cry from what Jesus intended the church to be. Right? It's not even in the same sphere of description. It's the point furthest from if that is the explanation of a church. So for some, it's perceived as, as a hub where... You know, people come together under a social contract and share ideas along the same theme and they find social belonging and things like that. For others, it's, it's kind of like a distribution center for help in the community. You come to the church and the health, church helps the community. So we're good at that. But it's more than all of that, isn't it? It's not just that. It's more than all of that. I can think of my first impression of going to church as a little kid. I remember going to Sunday school and... They used to teach us songs. It wasn't about Christ. <laughs> you know. I'm like, what kind of songs were those? But now looking back on it, it was just a fun time. They didn't teach you much about God. And my encounter with the first, you know, with the Pentecostal church as a whole, I can remember that impression. It was great because it was a place of love and embracing and people embraced you and you felt this love, right? You felt this embracing. And looking back as a child, it wasn't, you know, it's was kind of like the, I don't want to say what the kind of organization was, but it was a church. 
And it was more about just routine. It was about prescribed orders. It was about reading from a book. It was about doing certain things. And that was church. And then when you move into this other sphere where you feel this love and embracing, and you're wondering, how can two organizations that claim to represent Christ be so radically different? Right? And how, how is it that you have this movement here and this movement here? And that really leads us to a discussion of, well, what did Jesus mean when he said the church? Because how can you have something so vastly different, you know, different ideas, different talks, different sort of teaching, but yet they all come from supposedly the same source? And so today I want to go back to what the church was originally created to be and why it was conceived. And as I share that with you this morning, I'm asking you, as I said, to open up your heart and lean into what God, what Jesus, what the scriptures talk about of who we are supposed to be. Right? The church was not man's invention. It wasn't man's idea. The church was God's creation and Christ gave birth to it. It came from the mind of God. It was not actually something that people said, okay, you know, let's just gather together and have a good time and talk. No, it wasn't about that. It was an event that created or gave birth to the genesis of the church and it was the resurrection of Jesus. It was that event that gave life to the church. Men and women who made up the nucleus of the church at that time weren't simply believers in some sort of abstract philosophy or even faithful followers of a great leader. No, they were eyewitnesses to an event, the catalyst of the church, and it was that event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what started the church. That's what gave birth to a church, as we know it. And, and the word church, you know, it comes from the word ecclesia, Greek word. But it's more than that. It's a movement. And it's not a place. Jesus started a movement that was radically different from anything before in history. It was something so different that at the beginning, people had a hard time explaining it or trouble understanding it. You know, they tried to understand who Jesus was. They tried to kind of put him in a box. They tried to put him in some sort of way that they could conceive of who he was. And during Jesus's earthly ministry, there was a constant debate about his identity, right? Some said, is he a teacher? Is he a prophet? Is he a rabbi? Was he actually divine? Or did he just possess divine power? He had authority over nature but where, does the, where did this authority come from? Was it him or did God actually give it to him? Which is completely different. And so they had trouble fitting him into a certain mold because he did not fit into what their view of who he should be was. Because then that's why they began to question, is he a prophet? Because he didn't fit the mold of a prophet. Is he a teacher? Because he didn't fit the mold of a rabbi. What is he really? And then when he started opening up, his, opened up his mouth and began to teach, it became even more confusing for people that are at, at that time because they had trouble understanding him because most of his messages were focused on a kingdom that was not directly connected to this world. He talked about something. He spoke mostly in parables that few people understood. 
And he insisted that his followers love the Roman occupiers and pay taxes. Well, everyone else around him was says, hate the Romans. Don't engage with them. They're the conquerors. We are subjected to them. We hate them. But that's not what he taught. In fact, he alienated the most influential people and powerful people of the time. He offended practically everyone. His family thought he had lost his mind. And after three years of public ministry, he was arrested, publicly humiliated, and executed. This was not a great way to start a movement, was it? But yet, this was the genesis of the church, and the church survived. In fact, it didn't just survive, it flourished. You know why? Because it was God's plan and not man's. God's plan to spread the good news that you and I are not far from God, that we are welcome into his kingdom. That every single one of us, no matter where we are, no matter what our past is, no matter how far we've fallen from God, no matter what we've done, all of us have an opportunity to come and encounter God's love. That nothing we have done can keep us separated from God. That was radically different to the teaching of the day because it was all about making sure that they had behavior modification. You had to do the right thing. You had to say the right thing. But Jesus wasn't talking about actions. He was talking about conscience. It was a kingdom of conscience that he was talking about. A radically different thing. And so when he began to teach and when he began to preach, his first public address is found in Matthew chapter 4. And this is what he says. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And all of it is super interesting. The word repent. Us in modern times often think that the word repent means that we need to cry and feel that we're really sorry. I'm really sorry. That's what repentance is in our worldview. Right? That's the way you think it is. But that's far from what Jesus meant and what that word actually means. The word repent here doesn't mean to come crying to the front and saying you're really sorry and you're sorry to God and you're sorry to your friends and sorry. That's not what it means at all. The word repent means change the way you think. That's what he's saying. You've been thinking in error You've been thinking along wrong lines, and it's time for you to change the way you think. Think differently. Why? For the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's not some distant place that you have to strive to get to. The kingdom of God is near to you. It has come to you. You don't have to go to the kingdom. The kingdom has come to you. You, which was a wholly different thing because they had to do something to get into the kingdom or into God. But he's saying, no, no, no. It's about changing the way you think because you've been thinking erroneously. You need to begin to think that God's near to you because his love has come to you. You don't have to run up and please him anymore. He comes to you because he's so in love with you. He's so enthralled with you. He's fascinated with you that he comes off heaven's throne. He comes down to you. He came close to you. That was strange for the time, right? 
To be part of this kingdom requires a new way of thinking. Not a new way of doing, but thinking. Because when you do without thinking, you're performing action. But when you think and then do, you have transformation. Right? So it starts with the way you think that then initiates the way you behave. Not behavior to change the way you think. It's a wholly different concept. And that's what he's trying to say. See, church that Jesus envisioned, the church that Jesus envisioned, the the gathering, and it's not a building, it's a gathering of people that have put their faith in Christ. The church that Jesus envisioned is not just showing up on Sunday for a couple of hours. That's not church. Church is not sitting in your seats. It's more than that. It stems from what Jesus intended the church to be. Right? What did he conceive it to be? And it is a place of radical change to self. It is a place of radical change to community. It's a place of radical change to society. And a place of radical change to our world. It starts with him and it flows out there in a ripple effect to transform. And that's the word he wants to use. It's transformation. First from self and then into the world. But you can't have transformation in the world without transformation in self. And so that's why we, call, we are called Transformed Church. Because we want to transform not just self, not just society, not just community, but the world. That is what Jesus intended for us to be. And so church is not a location, it's a transformed people. It's a transformed people. Last week, we gathered in the park. Some of, some of us might be like, well, where's the preaching? Where's the singing? It's not about the program all the time. The churches where people of God gather. So it doesn't matter if we were in the park, if we're down the street, if we're at the train station, the bus station. Wherever we gather is the church. The building is not the church. It's just an asset. But we, the people, are the church. And these people that have had and encountered the living God, that have had transformation occur on the inside, now need to share that transformation to those on the outside. That's what he's talking about. And at Transformed Church, we want to be part of of God's glorious calling and Jesus' true mission, not just to be present, but to be the church that he envisioned. Not just sit on a seat, but to be part of the mission and the mindset of what Christ intended us to be. Not just to hang around, but to be involved and engaged with the mission of Christ. Not just occasionally, not just when it's convenient, not when we have time, but in everyday opportunities of our life. Because you're the church when you're at work. You're the church when you're on the bus. You're the church when you're in your car. You're the church when you, wherever you are, at your workplace, at school, you are still the church because Christ lives in you, a transformed individual representing who Christ is. That's what we're called to be. See, it is our responsibility, it is your responsibility to lead the church in the direction that Jesus originally intended. It's not the leadership alone. It's not the pastors alone. 
It's not the worship team leader. It's not the prayer leader. It's all of us together. Because if Christ doesn't live in me more powerfully than he lives in you. He lives in you with the same power as he lives with me. We have different functions. We have different gifts. We have different talents. But it's the same power that exists in you that exists in me. And so therefore, it's our joint responsibility to lead the church in the direction that Jesus originally intended. Why? Because he delegated that authority and that mission to us. That's what we're called to do. We cannot allow the church to drift into a place of gracelessness. We control that. We can't allow the church to drift into churchy programs where it's all about the look and the way and not about the love of Christ. We can't allow the church to drift into churchy lifeless programs that remove the mission of Christ. Christ is central to his church. Christ is why we gather. Christ is why I know you and you and you. We are here because of Christ, not because of some social event. The social event is just uh, an addition to it. But we're here because of an encounter with Jesus. Every single one of us have been transformed by His grace and His love. As a transformer... It is your responsibility, it is my responsibility to protect the missional integrity of Jesus' gathering. What does that mean? What does that really mean to protect the missional integrity of Jesus' gathering? Well, it means this, that under us, under our stewardship, under our direction, and I say every single one of us, that we continue to function as a gathering for people in process. All of us are not perfect. None of us are perfect, including me. We are people in progress. We are a masterpiece in creation. We're not there yet. Yes, you are a masterpiece, but Christ is not through painting you yet. And so therefore, we need to steward this place. We need to protect the missional integrity of what Jesus wants. Because this has to be a place where people can come and find faith. This is where people can come and ask questions. This is where people can come and be curious. This is where people can come when they're unconvinced about who God is, when they're skeptical, when they used to believe and don't believe anymore, when they're broken, when they're struggling, the ones that gave up, the ones that almost gave up, the ones that threw in the towel, the ones that have been abandoned, the ones that have been despised, the ones that have been rejected, the ones that have been kicked out of other churches, the ones that have been shunned all over the world, the ones that have been hated this should be a place where they're welcome home because this is what Christ wanted. This is the church he intended. Not a place of perfect people, perfectly dressed, perfectly acting. It's a place of broken people working out Christ in their lives to display his brokenness to a broken world so they may understand that broken people are welcome home. This is the church that Jesus wanted. Not perfection, but brokenness of broken people shining through the cracks of their brokenness. And the shining that comes through is not us, but it's Christ in us. That's who God wants us to be. This must be a place for everyone. 
And so I've been talking to the leaders for the last two years about being a church for unchurched people. Some people think unchurched means unsaved, and that's the word we used to use. It's not, it doesn't mean that at all. It's completely different from that at all. Because Jesus designed the church for everyone. This was different because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had a pre-programmed sort of list of who was allowed in. And when Jesus contradicted them, they were upset at him and that's why they chose to kill him. Because they didn't like the fact that he's saying everyone's welcome. The prostitute is welcome. The tax collector is welcome. The sinner is welcome. Everyone's welcome. They're like, no, 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 you can't do that. Because this is a place for perfect people. You have to act right. You have to talk right. You have to look right. You have to sound right. And only then you're welcoming. That's not what Jesus intended. And it's up to us. It's up to every single one of us to protect what Jesus called us to be. Every single one of us, God has put you here for a purpose. You've come here because God led you here. Whether someone invited you or somehow you found it, God brought you here because he wants to use you to share that amazing message. To not just attend church, but to be the church. Not just to sit in a pew, but to be the church. To love like he loves. To embrace like he loves. To welcome everyone, regardless of how despicable we think they are. Christ welcomed them home. Christ wanted them part. And so, we have to be a church for unchurched people. What is an unchurched person? Well... It doesn't just mean, as I said, an unsaved person. It means those that have left the church because they got hurt. And they're no longer attending. It means that those that say to you, I don't believe in God, and you're an idiot, they're still welcome. Because we don't believe based on what they believe. We believe because Christ gave us transformation. Right? It means those who are struggling with their faith... Those who are struggling with their sexuality. Those who are struggling with whether they believe in God or not. Those that question whether God is real or not. That maybe people have rejected or churches rejected or churches abandoned. Yes, even unbelievers. That's who Christ came for. He didn't come to go into the temple and talk to the Pharisees. In fact, Jesus spent most of his time with unbelievers. Or those rejected. Or those the world didn't want to do anything. He sat down with the tax collectors and the other people judged him for it. He went to the sick that no one wanted to touch. He set, spent time with lepers because they were unclean. And other people had to stay away from them. But he touched them and healed them. He talked to the prostitutes. He spent his time with those society rejected. And he gathered them as part of his church. That's what he wanted to create. So I want 
each of you to be committed in creating a church for unchurched people. People that might not look like you, that might not think like you, that might not even act like you, but I want you to welcome them because we represent Christ. And it's His love that brought us home. And His love wants to bring everyone else home as well. And yes, we're not going to break the foundation of our belief that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But His way has to be shared with everyone. They should all be welcoming so they can know who Jesus is. That He is true life, true healing, true grace, true forgiveness. That is who we are supposed to be. So every single one of us should be committed in creating an environment for unchurched people. From the time they walk in through the door, where we smile and welcome them, not judging them on the way they look, or their past, or their failures, or what comes out of their mouth, words that we don't want to think about, but they're still welcome. We still have to fight to pull towards becoming the church Jesus intended us to be. We have to fight it because the natural tendency is to drift towards something that is holy. The only thing holy is God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're not righteous of ourselves. We're righteous only when we're in Him. So let's surround ourselves with Him and share His love. You know... That's why we have to be the church. We have to lean into our callings, lean into the giftings, lean into the talents that he has already placed in you. It's already there. And some of us, you know, we're making excuses for ourselves. We're disqualifying disqualifying ourselves based on past experiences, past other people told us, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, whatever it may be. Other people have told us this and we've disqualified ourselves based on other people's opinions. But God's opinion of you is that you are his child, that he's gifted you. The gifts of God are without repentance. He hasn't taken them away. He hasn't changed his mind about it. He has given it to you. And there's gifts and talents sitting in you right now that are waiting to be explored and and to explode into this world, into the church. And people that are outside are waiting and depending on your gifts and talents because you are part of his church and he's distributed into his body. So let's start blaming ourselves. Let's stop blaming the past. Let's stop making excuses for ourselves. Let's stop saying we don't have time. We don't have energy. We don't have this and that. God has given you sufficiently enough time in the day, the week, the year to do what he's called you to do and still be a blessing to others. More than enough time. Sometimes it's just a matter of time management. Let's be honest. We spend hours going through Facebook. We spend hours on YouTube. We spend hours in Netflix. We spend hours driving to a place that's much further away. It took me an hour to get to Carl's Jr. because I wanted some chili fries, but I, that's what I wanted. I didn't have to, but I drove there. That was an hour there and an hour back that I could be doing something else. Right? We have enough time to do what God has called us to do and to take care of our families, and to take care of our loved ones, and to go to work, and to do all the stuff He's placed in our world. 
Because God will not ask you to do something you're not capable of doing. We have enough time. And the fact is, you just got to know it. And I'm so thankful that you're here. I, I really honor you and I'm thankful. And I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for being present. Every single one of you are part of our amazing family. And I'm so appreciative of your presence. I really do. And sometimes you think, well, I have a, such a busy schedule. Well, how about one hour every six months? That's sufficient. That's a good start. One hour every six months. Is that too much to ask? No, you can be a part of something in church for one hour every six months. And that's like minimum. You could do something amazing. There are those of you who have not come yet to the understanding that the world, people out there are depending on you and the exploration of your gifts because they're waiting for what God has placed in you to express so they can come in and feel your love, your gift, your talent expressed in their life. They have not been, haven't gotten that because you haven't expressed what God has placed in you. So stop doubting yourself. Stop disqualifying yourself. Stop second guessing yourself. Stop telling yourself you're not good enough. God qualified you. God valued you. God saw it fit to give you that gift and talent because he knew that you were capable of doing it. So don't count yourself out when he counts you in. He has called you. He has qualified you. He has designed you to be what he created you to be. That's what we are called to be. And I wish sometimes that you could see through his eyes what he sees in you and not through your own eyes. Imagine if you look through his eyes into your life and he would see you powerful, loved, forgiven, blessed, capable, strong. That's how he sees you. Don't see yourself less when he sees you powerful. Don't see yourself disqualified when he sees you qualified. Don't see yourself of nothing when he counts you as everything. His love for you is immense. So, as we head into Vision Sunday, as we head into the rest of the year, as we head into the rest of our move at Transform Church, I want all of us to step up and step in and lean in to what God has called us to do. And whether that's one hour every six months, or whether that's being someone that shares your testimony to someone, not even in church, but in a life group, that embraces someone and just says, hey, why don't you come over to my house for a coffee? I just want to catch up with you. That's being the church. It's not just being in this building to demonstrate your gift. It's about being where you are. And if that's catching up with a coffee for someone, if that's inviting someone, uh, someone over to your house for dinner, that's going to the park and playing a game with someone, that's saying something about who they are, all of it is being the church. Because remember, the church is not just a building. It's not, you don't come to church. You are the church. Wherever you are, and as you allow God to move in your heart, as you speak about Him, as you live for Him, as you demonstrate Him, whether it's in your workplace, at your home, wherever it is, that's being the church. It's expressing your gift. And yes, we come and we gather together because God called us to gather together. It's a place where we encourage one another and strengthen one another. 
But you're not just the church on Sunday from 10 a.m. to 11.30. You're the church all the time. Because Christ lives in you. So it's not just about attending, but engaging and transforming and loving and embracing everyone around you in your world. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, it's carrying the love of Christ in you and sharing it with others. There's so much for us to do. There's so many things that us as transformers and transform need to be and to do. The world is waiting on us. And I want you to put your hand into our hand as transformers and let's do this together. Let's be the church together. Let's love radically together. Let's be the church. Is that okay? Yes. Can we be the church? Yes. Be what God has called us to. There's so much more that we can be part of. There's so much more we can do in our world. There's so much more. And not just in this building. I want to emphasize that. But it's wherever you are. See, the reality is this. We are God's plan for this world. You are. Are God's plan. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you are God's plan for this world. Because sometimes we don't believe that. Tell it to someone. You are God's plan for this world. You are God's plan. Tell someone like you mean it. You are God's plan. Turn to someone behind you and say, you are God's plan. God brought you here on purpose for a purpose. Now tell it to yourself. Because sometimes we don't believe it. Speak to yourself and say, I am God's plan for this world. Say it like you believe it. I am God's plan for this world. Because you are. You are God's plan for this world. Now usually I leave you with two questions, but today I have three. <laughs> Alright? Question number one. Where do you fit in God's plan for this world? You are, I'm telling you, you are God's plan, but where do you fit in that plan? You know, when you get like that 500-piece puzzle set, and it has a picture, every piece goes in a specific spot, right? You can't squash it into a different spot. The 500 pieces, they all have a perfect spot. So yes, all of them are part of the plan, but they have a specific spot they need to fit in. All of you are part of God's plan, but there's a specific spot you slot in. Right? It's a 500-piece puzzle, but every piece has a specific spot. God's church is like that. We're all part of God's amazing plan, but we have a specific slot we all slot in. So where do you fit in God's plan for the world? Maybe it's to share something about Him. Maybe it's to lead worship. Maybe it's to help the community. Maybe it's to build something. Maybe it's into love someone. Maybe it's into invite someone. Whatever it is, you're all part of it. You just need to know where it slots in. Number two, where do you, where do you fit in his plan for his church? And when I mean his church, I don't mean this church. I mean the church. Because we're just trying to drill down a little bit. Where do you fit in his plan for his church? What has he called you to do in his church? Right? You're part of the church. As I said before, whether you're at school, at work, at home, on the bus, 
in the car, in the train, wherever it may be, you're still his church. Lastly, which drills down even further, is where do you fit in the plan a transformed church? Right? Some of you have been brought here. Some of you have been invited here. You are part of our family. We love you. We appreciate you. And like in every family, you're part of it. Whether you show up for just Christmas dinners or not, you're still part of it. <laughs> right? And you're part of it. But, you know, the scriptures often describe the church as a body. Do you know why the scriptures describe church as a body? Paul talks about it a lot. He says, we're the body of Christ. You know, all of us are fitly joined together. You know why he calls us a body? Because every piece in our body has a function. There's no part in our body that just exists for just being there. Every single thing is vital to the success of this body. Whether it's the skin, the nose, the cheeks, the eyes, the heart, the lungs, the little things that you can't see, like the blood vessels, all of it is functional for the body. None of it just exists for no purpose. It's created in perfection, and everything, think about that marvelous creation of our body. There's so many complicated things working together all the time, perfectly in unison for us to function. And when you function at peak optimacy, like an athlete, you've trained your body to do what's best. Right? It functions at great skill. And that's like a body. When we are working with peak efficiency, we do amazing stuff. When every part is not just sitting, but it's working in function. When we are out of shape, like I've been the last few months, you don't feel the same energy like you had before. And sometimes there's not enough energy in the church because it's lethargic in one area. You know, I often look at tennis players because their right hand is usually bigger than their left hand if they're a tennis player. Because they're always using their right hand if they're a right-handed player, right? And yes, they work out both, but there's a little difference. You can tell that one hand has worked more than the other hand. It has a little bit more muscle. It has a little bit more strength because it's worked more. And so for us to be part of what God is doing in our church, in our life, in our community, in our world, God brought you here for a purpose because you're a vital part of what's happening in this church. Whether it's giving into the body, whether it's serving in the body, whether it's praying for the body, whether it's inviting someone to your house, all of it is vital to us being a church for unchurched people. And that's who we're called to be. That's what Jesus called us to be. So I want to challenge you one last time. Let's be the church. Let's not attend church, but let's be the church. Be what God called us to be. Amen. Let's stand. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.